Happy New Year! Everyone has the best of intentions on how they are going to live their best life in 2021. Have you set your own New Year's resolutions for your dairy goat herd? Join me and Cameron on this week's episode of Goat Gab as we discuss some hopes and goals we have for 2021. Whether it comes to animals or new things you want to try and implement or maybe some new marketing ideas as well, um, we're going to be sharing them all on what we think our farm resolutions are this year. And maybe that'll give you some ideas of things that you'd like to resolve to be better with this year for your farm. Yeah. So, uh, Laura, you want to go ahead and go first? Yep. And this is the hard one. I really want to make myself pick a number of animals that I want to have in my herd at the end of the year and stick with that decision. Okay. Okay. It's so, it's so easy to find reasons and excuses for keeping animals, but you know, nostalgic reasons or it's so-and-so's daughter, or I think there's a possibility this animal could be better. But um, the podcast we did a few weeks ago on breeding philosophies, made me really sit back and and take a look at my herd and realize that I've kind of gotten away from philosophies that I had set kind of in stone at the very beginning. And uh, I know that when you make those cuts, it's so hard to do that. And then when you get over that initial pain and you walk out there, it's amazing how beautiful your herd looks compared to maybe where it did before. So that's one of my resolutions for this year. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting you say that um, when we've looked at our herd in the past, we've really not focused on a number as much as we've focused on um, we just want to make sure the best goats are here right now. That's led us to go from like milking 16 goats um, five years ago to like milking 23, 24 goats um, this year. Um, so it's it's hard when you get to that much and you say your goal is to have a really nice herd of goats. Um, but picking a number and sticking with it is really hard to do. Um, as we talk about it, um, I, we, Catherine and I just had a conversation about this, um, about picking a number and sticking with it, um, going through her goats and she's got 16 or 15, excuse me, 15 dry yearlings between three, four breeds on her farm. I'm like, you know, you're going to have to find a way to figure out a number and stick with it. Yeah, that would be hard. And and I think the more breeds you get, the harder that is. You know, um, I only have three Sonnens out here, but, you know, part of me is like, well, I can't get rid of Sonnens because that's Elizabeth's herd. And, and if I cut Sonnens anymore, she has nothing. And then in the other part of my head, I'm like, okay, Laura, you're, you know, this age and you have this much time and this much land and this much property and, oh, your last child is going to be moving out of the house in another year and a half. And do you really want to be taking care of this number of animals? Can you really do this by yourself? And and it, it's hard. Whatever your reason behind having that number on there, um, you know, multiple breeds, I think, makes that a lot harder to stick to, too. Yeah, I think that's a, a theme we've echoed across the podcast in multiple episodes is having two breeds um, is hard. It's very hard to do because you get attached to goats that may get older. And then, and you know, both breeds, and as they get up there and older, they generally do a little bit better in the show ring. But you might have nicer daughters that you don't have attachment to, um, but they're younger does, but they might be a little better. So 
um, picking a number and sticking with it uh, is a really good resolution for yourself, Laura. Well, and now that I've put it out there, um, I guess that I'm giving anybody who runs into me into shows this summer says, so how are you doing with that resolution, Laura? You know, just like losing weight or whatever. Hold me accountable, okay? <laughs> <laughs> That's what's kind of fun about this podcast is we are broadcasting it to the world and saying, hey, world, all 500 people that listen, um, here are our New Year's resolutions. And if we don't, we aren't accountable to them, you can call us out on it. That's right. <laughs> I hope I hope they do because I know I won't pick a number and stick with it and I'll be milking 25. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but knowing your number and picking along that, it's, it's also figuring out how to make the hard decisions because I know this year on our farm, we're going to have hard decisions to make both with older goats in the herd and the younger goats in the herd. Yeah, those older goats, you know, we've got... Hello, Goat Gabbing crew. Um, we are so glad to welcome you on this first episode of our 2021 year. Uh, my name is Laura Warren Hughes. And my name is Cameron Jedlowski. And we are joining you today on that first week, first weekend of January. And uh, so happy to be back after a little break last week. So Cameron, how was your Christmas? It was nice. It was nice. Um, obviously um, different, but nice as well. Uh, my families did manage to get together both uh, my on my side and my fiance's side as well. Um, limited time with the goats, obviously, with the holiday season and whatnot. And in full disclosure for everyone, this podcast was supposed to be recorded in person today. However, um, the storms and the Midwest winter um, prevented us from doing that. Uh, we'll, we'll get a live podcast in eventually in 2021. Yeah, I'm I'm eager to to see how that works out recording with both of us in the same room instead of pretending that we're that way. But um, you know, the weather, gosh dang it, it's January and it sure did rear its ugly winter head, I think. Yeah, and it came by so quickly. Um, I mean, yesterday, no snow, everything was great and hunky dory. Maybe was, there was some we had a bad ice storm, but um no snow or anything. It looked like everything was coming back up, but um, old man winter dumped about four or five inches on us, um, just overnight. And, uh, we got up this morning and get ready to leave. And we're like, Whoa, for around here. The only good thing about the snow is that it, um, covered up the ice. And, um, I'm not too terribly embarrassed to say that I did some nice spectacular falls outside carrying a bucket of feed down a slope in that ice. So I was happy to have some snow to put a little friction there. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's uh, I'm I'm watching kind of outside how the goats are kind of reacting to it here in their dry lots, and um, they are not a fan of it. But it's always fun to see that first snow with the with the kids because they've never seen snow before, so they just think it's so cool and fascinating and run in and out of the barn, in and out of the barn, <laughs> and taste it. You see, if yes. you see them put their noses down, and they're kind of like, "What the heck is this stuff?" Yeah. Yes, but I know winter is here when I see we're still, uh, we have the automatic waterers, but we still sometimes fill those green buckets, those old mineral tubs full of water too, just for more water for the girls because some of them don't like to drink out of the automatic waterers. Um, and I see the big old sheet blocks of ice from the tubs just sitting right next to them that we had dumped out. So that's how I know winter is officially here. I was, you know, I, I think I told you all that I had gotten a heated hose a couple of years ago for Christmas, and unfortunately, it got um, chewed up by the lawnmower a couple summers ago. So, for a Christmas present, the girls had bought me another heated hose, and I've been eagerly awaiting it. 
and Amazon keeps saying it's on its way. It's on its way. And now I think it's going to be here on the 11th. So <laughs> hopefully, hopefully you're going to be able to use it. it this past week. Yeah. No kidding. It, you know, if, if it doesn't come until June, at least I'll have it before next year. So that'll be all right. Yeah. Well, I think let's jump in here and, and talk about what's happening on our farm. Um, anything that might be happening in our lives as well here today. Um, and I've got, I know we've got a lot of stuff to get caught up on here. So Laura, why don't you go ahead and go first? Um, well, let's see, kind of not a farm thing, but a personal thing. Just wanted to share, got my COVID vaccine, my first one, um, as a frontline healthcare worker, they offered it to us and I really was kind of not wanting to do it. And then I thought, you know, what the heck, let's just see how this goes. You know, I have maybe fewer things to lose if, if it. If it's not a good idea, uh, then, you know, somebody maybe who's younger or other issues and uh, got it done on Wednesday. I haven't turned green or grown, grown an extra eye or anything like that. My arm was a little bit sore, but other than that, no concern. So um, when the time comes that you're able to do that, if that's something that you feel led to do, I hope, hope you're not scared to do it because it really wasn't a big deal had a good time driving back to Indiana to see my family back home, um, waved up towards your way as I went across on 36. Cameron. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And, uh, um, that's about it. You know, um, feeding hay, watching goats getting fat, trying not to go out there and feel um, udders on first fresheners too often, you know, cause they kind of get to the point where they tuck their behinds away and run if you, if you do that too much. So really eager to get some babies on the ground. We don't start kidding until March. So it's going to be a long dry run until we get to that point. Yeah. Well, on our farm, we set up our baby goat pens um, this week. So uh, yeah, kidding season will come here in like two weeks. So I don't know if we're excited or um, yeah, mixed, mixed emotions behind starting up milking again. Um, versus, you know, kids on the ground and being able to see some stuff. And um, both those that are due are results of our lap AI program that we use for the first time this year. Um, but uh, both of them have freshened before. Nice goats. We kind of know what we're expecting to see with them. So nothing super exciting, but a uh, four-year-old and a three-year-old. So um, we are patiently waiting on that there. Um, also, oh gosh, that'll be exciting. Yeah. Also on a personal level here, I did start a new job as well. So that's fun i guess so i had some nice time off in between the, the jobs and and did some stuff outside for the goats hauled some hay and cleaned up a little bit outside and so it's always nice to just kind of have some downtime um you know if if even if it's um you know just the downtime in between jobs or whatnot so that was nice as well was able to help some other customers um got a call from a guy in new orleans that wanted some alpine semen from me he was a new guy and he had never ordered semen before. He hadn't even filled up his nitrogen tank. So boy, that was a fun one to work with. So did you have to educate him from the very beginning yeah. on how to get all this done and and yeah. um, how to trans transport the semen and the fact that it's way outside of the normal breeding season? And Yeah, so he was working with uh, a vet friend of his that had graduated from LSU down there and had done stuff out of season before, as he had told me and his vet was going to do all the AI. So I tried to make sure I wasn't setting him up for failure um, because he was going to be doing it outside of a normal time. Um, I, I generally don't like to recommend new people start breeding the goats uh, right away and getting the semen, usually having someone with a little bit more experience try that because 
AI, as you know, and I know, Laura, it's a, it's a fickle thing. Oh, sure is. Yeah. Yes. So there was, there, there was problems with that and we kind of worked through that, but, um, I'm not, I'm not really happy with my, my semen processing facility throughout the whole thing too. And, um, that's another episode where we've, um, we might have a guest on later if we can get a hold of him, um, and talk to him about that. Cause he said he wants to go on, um, some popular dairy goat program and, and talk about, uh, kind of what they're doing there. So, um, potentially save this one here for down the road, but, um, yeah, there's, there were some issues there and they had lost some semen that I had had cause I needed it shipped out and they didn't ship it out on the right day. And yeah, it was just a mess. And of course it's Christmas, you know, well, right. Yeah. And you know, honestly, Cameron, you're not the first person that I've heard this year that has had issues with their processor or their semen storage place. And, and I'm just 99% sure that this other person I talked to doesn't use the same facility that you do. And I think that would be a good topic to discuss. Yeah, I, I, I think I, that, uh, you know, as more AI becomes more and more used, it's good to know how to, how to manage that the best way. Yeah. So I think we're going to try to get him on here some point in the new year. Um, he owns the facility now. He's a, he's a good guy. I just met him for the first time, but he's a good guy. Um, but I need to make a phone call to them to, um, see where some semen is of mine that he owes me. So otherwise he will be ponying up some money. Yeah, that's boy. And sometimes that semen is just so priceless. How do you even put a cost on it? You're exactly right. So there's that there. Um, looking at us here, we preg check some does on the herd. Um, you know, most all of our kids are bred that we've confirmed. Um, so that's really good. Uh, we, uh, preg checked the old sable Ockberry, my first sable. Um, she's got kids inside of her. She's very pregnant and we can definitely tell, which is, um, uh, different. I, I, but I'm always nervous when she gets pregnant. So we'll, we'll just kind of, yeah. so being seven, how old she, is she now? So she'll be seven. Yeah. She, um, doesn't get around really well. She's got, um, kind of a limp. I think during one kidding, we, something got displaced or something and, and never really healed properly in her back leg. Um, and then, uh, we talk about wanting level rumps on goats. Her rump is almost too level as we say. So there's no way for the baby or for the baby to be pushed out there, uh, in the rump. And then it's impossible to get her bred to the bucks have a real hard time, um, finding anywhere to mount them. Wow. Yeah. That's a good thing to keep in mind. And, you know, I remember a long time ago, like when I hadn't had goats for very long and we were talking about levelness across the top lines. And that was always something that was mentioned, you know, now be careful. You can get too level where it's difficult to breed them and it's difficult for them to kid because that natural slope isn't there. And I always thought, what the heck are you talking about? Well, now your, your situation is a good illustration of that. Yes, it it is. It is. It's a dangerous situation. Um, but we're going to talk about her later on in the podcast as well. When we talk about our new year's resolution on the farms, because I have a, a resolution centered around her as well. Very cool. So I think on the Adga front, um, the Adga Young Sire program just came out. Lisa just sent out those emails. Congratulations to those people that had um, animals on the Edgar Young Sire develop what is it development program or something like that or qualified for the Edgar Young Sire program? That's pretty exciting. 
Yeah, I didn't have any, but I do. I, I do want to ask. I more. haven't seen the list yet, so that's yeah, I haven't seen a list. I haven't seen an official list put together, but I know people did have that. Um, but I want to ask a question to you, Laura: Is does it add value to have seeing a goat on an Adga Young Sire program? Um, are you asking me that, like my personal thought on that? Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I think because um, I'll, I'll tell. I want to know your opinion, but then I'll tell you the story afterwards. Okay. Um. For me, as somebody who brings in new bucks fairly regularly, that's not something that I necessarily consider. But as somebody who's a, a believer in Adgo's performance programs, um, when I look at that list and I see what herds have sires that are on that program, that kind of sticks in my mind as a herd that is committed to um you know, participating fully in AGA programs and so forth. But I also, you know, so maybe that's a little bit of a conflict there. It doesn't enhance, it doesn't influence who I'm going to buy a sire from. Kind of a wishy-washy answer, but about the best one that I'm going to get you, I guess. Yeah, no, totally. Well, so I had somebody, a friend of mine reached out to me um, and he's like, it's really weird that I got this because I, I registered the buck for, I don't know why he registered the buck, but he ended up taking it to the sale barn. And here we go, you know, nine months later after the buck kid was born or whatever, he's on the Edgar Young sire development program list for the first quarter of 2021. So, um, oh, wow. I, so knowing that I'm like, well, uh, I don't put much stock into it because I believe a buck should be measured on their daughters. And I think Laura, you kind of believe in the same thing too there. Um, yes. but, but, uh, yeah, I think it's just, it's just interesting to see that. I, I don't understand how the percentages work and maybe we jot this down and we get someone on who understands how they can qualify for these things and whatnot. But, um, yeah, I, to me, it was just like, okay, that's something I kind of wanted to share. And I asked the breeder if I could share it and I, I get, I had uh, this breeder's permission. So thank you to said breeder, um, who allowed me to share that information. So interesting stuff here on on that and yeah i had a listener request here and someone wanted an update on the situation we talked about um when we were interviewing kate i think it was back in november about the buck situation that i shared with um we thought a buck was shooting blanks but we sold them to a person uh and so i want to circle back around and talk about that oh good um so uh update on that situation the breeder who bought the goats um, this was not my herd. This was my fiance's herd. So just for people to understand that and whatnot, um, I'm not pointing her out and she did nothing wrong in this situation because she didn't know. Um, but the breeder did bring, return the goats and we bred them to a different buck that was on her farm. Um, we took care of that and that's been rectified now. And there have since been ultrasounded, um, confirmed bred and um, sent back to the person who bought them. So that was made right on that one there. As for the buck that is um, allegedly, we may think, throwing blanks, we have not heard back from the breeder yet about what is happening. So um, we can't assume that no news is good news. So uh, we will continue to hold our breath until we hear from said breeder. You know, I think that um, one thing always to keep in mind on issues like that with breeding is make sure you have a good vet involved from the get go on there. You know, somebody who can confirm or or not confirm that, you know, this animal really is sterile. There are so many things that go into whether or not an animal is bred or not, that it would be awful to uh, 
make assumptions without having all those vet facts back there too. So yeah, it takes some work on both parties to make sure that everything's done the right way. I agree on that. And again, I know again, if the situation rectifies itself and this buck is able to cover, you know, everything at this other person's place, that's great. Um, and, and that's awesome. And I would be very happy if that happens, but if on the flip side, it doesn't, which it, it may, it might, we haven't heard yet. Um, we're prepared to make the, um, you know, retributions or, or do whatever it is to make this right, because that's what needs to be done. That's what an ethical breeder does. Yep. Exactly there. One last thing here on my list to share. Uh, back in December, we went and uh, when we were on vacation, we actually visited a historic herd, not Noble Springs. Um, we went to North Carolina and went to the Conmara herd. I think I pronounced that right. Of the Carl Sandbergs. Really? Oh my gosh. How cool was that? Um, It was cool. It was really unfortunate because we only saw like some breeding bucks some like kid bucks. We only saw like five goats and then some goats in a fence. Um, they were taking COVID procedures to the national parks. Oh. So the barn had been closed down and everything. So uh, we were very disappointed. Oh, that would be frustrating. Yeah. So um, I would like at some point in our podcast history to come and, and talk to somebody about this because it's really interesting to see how goats have been kind of part of pop culture and whatnot there. I think, Wow, we have three episode ideas all from, you know, the first 20 minutes of this episode. Um, I should be writing these down. <laughs> um, but I think it'd be interesting <laughs> to have somebody come on and talk about that. I agree. I, I, I've i always wanted to see those goats and, and to see what it's like to have a herd that has so many decades of breeding behind it. Yeah. And it's crazy to think as we were reading the informational stuff, she was milking like 100 plus by hand at the time. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, were they, could you tell just from the animals you saw, were they short? Were they like, you know, the traditional little Toggenbergs or? Um, no, not really. I mean, the kids we saw were, were, you know, they were decent sized. I know they've brought in some outside bucks. Um, I know a farm in South Carolina, Split Creek, they've bought some Colorama sale animals yeah. and, and they've, they've given bucks or sold bucks to the farm, um, in North Carolina. I know they've done that and they don't have, I haven't judged their goats, but I've seen their goats on the Facebook. I know they don't have small togs. Oh, very neat. Huh. Yeah. Yes. Let's put that, let's put that down for a future one. Yeah. Um, one yeah. thing that I forgot to pass on, um, and I will, I saved this, so I will put this on our, um, goat back gab Facebook page. There is a, I, I like little apps that make my life easier. And somebody put together a cool new little app to tell you what your uh, kidding dates are for breeding your goats. And I'm always, I'm one of those people that's always like making lists and looking back and now, now when is this going to be, be due? So um, it's a very simple app. You put the date in them that you bred it. You choose either a standard size or a mini size goat and it gives you the date that they're due. So um, I'll share that on my, I'll share that on our Facebook page so that everybody else can download that to their phone too, if they want to use a nifty little app like that. Perfect. Awesome. All right. Knowing that and um, wrapping, I don't think uh, besides the Agda stuff, I mean, it was closed for the, it was closed for obviously the Christmas season and new year's and whatnot. And 
Uh, we should be hearing some other stuff as well um, down the road about other uh, programs or a task force that are wrapping up or do have to report here in the next couple of weeks. So we will wait for that there from ADGA. It'll be exciting. I'm, I know that everybody is waiting on pins and needles to hear more about linear appraisal and uh, what the future is for that program. And, and of course, we're all keeping our fingers crossed that show season's going to start out the way it should. I noticed that some of our friends down in, uh, looks like in the Florida area, have had their first show of 2020. So that's kind of fun. Wow. Congratulations to them. Yeah, I can't even imagine oh. that. I'm looking at snow on the ground. <laughs> no, no. But I also wouldn't want to show when it's, you know, 200 degrees and humid outside either. So <laughs> hats off to them for getting their shows done, getting getting them started now. So yeah, absolutely. Can't wait man. to see pictures. I, yes. Um, knowing that, talking about shows, talking about goats, talking about all sorts of things. Let's move into our topic, the uh, New Year's resolutions on the farm. In, in our herd, it kind of seems like once they make it past that seven or eight year old age, we just have a hard time of letting them go anywhere. You know, it's almost like they've, they've lived their whole life on your farm. Um, maybe you owe them a nice, a nice end to their life, you know, after that point, but then you realize, okay, I've got a geriatric ward on my farm and they, they take, you know, as much feed and as much hay and probably more vet work and, and, you know, that's kind of hard, but, um, you know, I've always thought if you, if you can move those older, older does out that maybe have, um, maxed out their, their, the work that they can do for you to move your breeding program forward, but they still have some time left that they could offer some progress to somebody else. Maybe that's a good animal to move on. You know, even if they are your CH animals and your you know, they've, they've appraised well for you. If you, if you recognize that they're kind of done in your herd making any um, improvements for you, or you've got several daughters out of them that you want to see proven, you know, maybe, maybe move those on to somebody else who's got a progressive breeding program that can use them. What do you think about that? I think that's a great idea. Um, I know our setup is a little bit different here at our farm. We do have a pen that we do call the geriatric ward. Actually, we have um, four goats out there um, and all of them except one have won their class and nationals. And then the other one's a brood doe, but has, you know, a, you know, the dam of our nicest doe, our nicest up and coming doe in the herd. And then we have a son out of her as well. So she has tremendous genetic value there. Um, what we'll do with some of our older gals, um, you know, if there's, I think we have like an eight, she'll be an eight year old unless she looks really, really good. Um, and she, we know she could do pretty well at nationals. Um, she'll probably go and live in our geriatric ward. Um, we have a doe in our geriatric ward that isn't, um, looking very good. And, and so we have to make some hard decisions on that one there. Um, but when I look at my old gals, I think about my three-year-old to, to six-year-old does on my farm and be like, okay where, where am I going with these? Because they've pretty much figured out this is what they're going to look like. And they're going to get, you know, a little bit, a little bit more deeper body as they get older. Uh, but you know, their feet are going to break down a little bit as they get older, they get a little softer on those pat on those rear and four pasterns as they get older too. Um, you know, they've kind of reached their peak lactation and it's like, okay, am I going to keep these does around when I have younger does that potentially could be better than them? So that's the question we're going to be struggling with this year. 
And that's a hard question too, because, you know, as you said, you know, they, they personally maybe have peaked what they're going to be and what they're going to show you that they are. But I know that in my heart, sometimes it's not until they're three or four year olds that you can really see that they are a valuable brood animal because maybe, you know, maybe that first year that you freshened them, you were just, you know, using a, a new buff or you were just wanting to see them bred to get fresh. And maybe those kids were later kids. So you didn't hang on to them. And, you know, you, you may not understand their value as a brood doe until they get a little bit beyond that. So you definitely have to balance that keeping them in the herd where they might be keeping out some of your younger stock. Are you going to be able to get more outstanding animals out of them? Have they, have they really had the chance to prove their worth as a brood animal? Yeah, so what the situation we're dealing with here is we have um, five alpine yearling milkers last year, so there'll be five two-year-olds, second freshening two-year-olds, and then two um, dry yearlings, so seven alpine dry year, or two-year-olds, seven alpine two-year-olds, and then we'll have two five. We'll have five sable two-year-olds, so twelve two-year-olds in, in total, twelve two-year-olds in total. Um, some of them, many of, or three or four of them out of, out of does that have been first at nationals. Um, two of them are on the table side or at a national champions. And we're like, what do we do? How do we figure this out? We kind of have an idea in our mind on what we're going to do. Um, but how do we, you know, pick that number and stick with it? And that's going to be really hard for us. Yeah. Yeah, that is. And, you know, even those yearlings, <laughs> They change so much between that milking yearling year and that two-year-old year. And I know that in my barn, and of course, you know, with uh, three smart adult daughters who all have their own opinions, each one of us has opinions on which does should stay and which does should go. I'm just like, let's just freshen them again for a second time. And I know it's a lot of animals to freshen, but let's just see what they look at like as a two-year-old. But I know in my head, I can't have six two-year-old milking does, and that's what I'm going to be freshening this year. So, you know, it's yeah. it's always a challenge. You're right. And Laura, I'll ask you this situation here, and I'll throw it out for our listeners. And if they have any feedback, um, they can they can send me a message on Facebook or anything. But um, I have a, a doe. She's going to be a four-year-old. Um, beautiful general appearance, just doesn't milk as much as I would like her to as now a four-year-old. Now she did, I think she did, you know, a very respectable 2,400 pounds as a three-year-old. Um, but I know that that's not in line with the projections for some of my other does in my herd as a three-year-old. Um, but she produces, she's going to be the dam of probably our best two-year-old. So genetically brood wise, she's there, you know, we want her as a breeding doe, but she's not going to compete in the show ring because she doesn't milk as much as some of our older does. And, and we know this, and this has been a problem for, for years. She needs one more leg to finish. I think she prays like 90 and it's like, what do you do? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh -huh. yeah. Yeah. That's going to be my answer there because that's, that is really hard. You know, yeah. um, I'm, I make no bones about the fact that the focus in my herd, um, I, I is for show. I mean, that's, that is truly what my focus is, but nothing cheeses me off more than a doe that can't milk. I mean, it really bothers me. And um, I've had some does in my herd that are beautiful and I can get them to look beautiful at a show and they, they do so well. They, you know, they look beautiful. And in the back of my mind is, yeah, but she doesn't milk. She doesn't milk hardly enough to feed her own babies. I mean, it's just, 
oh it just really bothers me oh so yeah i don't know that i'm the person to ask on that camera no. you know one one thing that i i have been told and i'm banking on is uh getting milk production back is fairly easy to improve so i'm gonna i'm holding to that with some breedings that i've made this year so i guess if, if she can throw that in her daughters you know if her lack of production doesn't affect what she get what you get out of her maybe she does have a place in your herd but i don't know i don't yeah. think i'm the person to ask on that no. it no. doesn't bother me no i i just think it's some of the the hard questions that breeders have to consider you know our audience considers is what do you do how, how do you make that hard decision yeah. and you know what that goes back to your first resolution picking a number and sticking with it something else that i'd like to do um you know, I, I know I've talked about it before that I use a program called Easy Keeper to keep my um, records and so forth. And yeah, and if that's if that's what makes somebody stay or go, uh, so be it, I guess. But man, that's a, that can be a hard decision. Ugh. Yeah. Well, I know, you know, kind of hand following that pretty handily. Uh, one of my resolutions for in 2021 is to do much better with um, being on DHIR testing. Um, 2020 was an absolute bust for me. It was hard to get, I'm in a group test because of COVID and because of different things that came up. It was hard to get around to get somebody tested. Um, the labs that I worked through had some staffing issues that made it difficult to test with them. And it just, this year was just a bust for me. So I want to do better next year. Yeah, thinking about DHIR and we, my, my big goal is to use the data more and then analyze it to track trends um, and then try to correlate that with past data. So maybe I notice in June, you know, I figure out, okay, why are all of my, why are my numbers dipping in June for on my entire herd average um, as compared to like April or May or something like that? And I might figure out, okay, well, you know, my average is dipping because of X or Y or Z or something like that. Um, so that's my big, that's my big New Year's resolution is using the data and analyzing it to track trends and then applying that, um, you know, in the future to figure out how we can stabilize trends. So that's kind of my goal this year is to do better with the data analysis of DHIR. Um, I think we're doing the, as the association is doing a great job of tracking it. Um, but not doing enough with the analyzation or, or excuse me, analyzing the, the trends and being able to give um, specific recommendations to um, improve their goats. So do you plan to do more with the data? Like, do you have, um, oh, is there a mentor that you're going to seek out that can help you analyze better? Or are there classes that you can take or... Um, you know, perhaps maybe at a convention, do they teach, do they teach things about using or analyzing? I don't really, I don't really know. I know one thing that I'm look, specifically looking at, and I had, no, I have it down the list here is um, somatic cell count. Like our somatic cell count, like I've been graphing it and it's kind of all over the place. So it's really trying to figure out that. Um, and I've talked it over with my fiance and she's like, well, maybe if you did more of a pre-dip and uh, you know, a lot of it's in the pre-dip or the post-dip, or maybe it's in the lines and whatnot. So um, really being able to track those things and then figure out what I can do with it. Um, I've taken, you know, I think I'm going to go back um, and look at some of the stuff from Langston University that I that I have kind of in my folder of, of goat of goat notes that I have um, there and just try to figure out what I can do with this data in order to get 
um, you know, more optimized production out of my goats. You know, along with that and being able to look at data, I know that Gene Dershowitz has done some really good um, podcasts or no, that's um, maybe they were YouTube videos or like webinar. were, webinars. Okay. Webinar on utilizing the data that's available through agrogenetics. And uh, that is something that I would love to be much more adept at using. Um, you know, I feel like I use the genetic site for plant pedigrees and, you know, I look at things like inbreeding coefficients and so forth, but there is so much available there on traits and breeding for traits and things like that, that I know I haven't even touched because I just don't know how to do it. So yeah, um, I agree with you on that. I'd like, like to be able to use that in conjunction with what I get at, get from DHIR to learn more. Yeah, I agree on that there. Someone much wiser than I said uh, that the pencil is always mightier than the brain as far as keeping track of things. And I want to even do better with keeping records, you know, things like animals that are ill and, you know, oh, does this goat become ill every year, two weeks after she kids? Hmm, maybe I have a metabolism problem here that I need to pay more attention to. And and sometimes I think I'm going to remember things and I just don't. That's probably part of getting old. But I, I want to do better with keeping records, keeping records on anything that comes up, not just shots and trimming feet and things like that. Yeah, I think um, even looking at that, because I, so in my person, my career life, I do, um, you know, a lot of like, data analysis with with farmer data and whatnot and i think um just being able to do even more of that with goats is something that i've found that um, we do hardly any of so um i'm looking to when i branch off from my dad here in the next couple of years um work to incorporate more like um cattle do and record like weaning or not weaning weights but um birth weights you know looking to incorporate that in there um, and tracking that to see, okay, what's your fast growing kids from sires and what you're not, maybe a little slower maturing, um, things like that, just to have more tangible data. Um, and all of that comes back from, to record keeping and keeping better records. Would that not be so cool to know that when you sell a buck to somebody, for example, and you can say, Hey, Laura, um, just want to let you know that this buck sire, and this buck's grandsire, the kids are going to be tiny, but they grow really fast. They're assertive at the, at the feed at the feed pan and uh, you're going to be amazed at how they grow. It would be really nice to know that. Yeah. I think that using it as a, like a selling tool almost, um, you know, maybe I look at everything yeah, totally. from a, a data, analy data analytics plus sales tool on it there, but um, just being able to give the customer the most amount of information possible uh, before they go and use a buck would be, would help me a lot because if I knew that every, every doe out of X purse out of X buck would, will be, you know, 10 pounds. I know I'm not going to breed, or excuse me, 15 pounds. I know I'm not going to breed them to my kids. I also know that one thing that I'm not very great at is keeping mineral out. I don't have a great mineral feeding program. Like I know I bought some new mineral feeders, but uh, finding a good spot to stick them in where all the goats can eat from them, but uh, don't poop in them or <laughs> however you want to look at it. I need to do better with that because I feel like that that's an area that maybe my herd um, has been lacking in. And I've wondered if that has it impacted perhaps um, maybe feet and legs at times or um, growth or reproductive soundness. So those are all things that, that I think could be related to minerals and 
Um, I would love to be able to find a really great mineral mix that, that does an outstanding job for goats. So I'm open to any suggestions out there. Yeah. I, uh, I, I probably couldn't help you because we put a little bit of trace minerals in our, um, on our, our grow our regular feed. So, um, and we just use salt blocks and maybe a mineral block every once in a while. Um, I would say we're not the best at keeping minerals around. You know, my fiance and her herd, she keeps, um, kind of just a trace mineral, um, mix around and keeps it off the ground and refills it when, when needed or when she remembers to feed it mostly. Yeah. That's my thing. When I remember, Oh, I haven't checked the minerals for a while. Yeah. I need to yeah. get some more, you know, that's, I just need to be more, again, that probably is part of the whole records thing. If I yeah. put it on a, on a calendar that I need to check it, then, you know, I'll do it. So that's just something that I, that I need to do better at. Yeah. So Laura, it looks like one of your resolutions is FAMANCHA scoring. Well, talk to me about that a little bit. So do you do this Cameron? No, I've, I've, I know what it is. I've, you know, I've done the, done the class through Langston and, and kind of saw it, but I've never done it before. So I haven't done the class and, um, you know, parasites are something that I think it, it's kind of like diabetes in people. It's the silent killer. You don't necessarily notice that it's a problem until it's too late. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, so I have a really good microscope and I've played around with doing my own fecals and uh, yeah, that's probably something else that I could use some more education in. The FAMANCHA scoring looks to me like it fits maybe more with my own personal feelings about health and wellness that um, the more that you can breed for resistance in, in your herd, probably the better it is, but you also need to keep track of whether or not your animal are having a problem and so I like I like the idea that I can um, pull down their eyelids take a look at their mucous membranes and say yeah you're a little bit on the pale side maybe I should consider doing some warming here instead of one extreme which would be just putting them on a warming schedule and warming them all the time even if they don't need it or b really not paying any attention to it at all so um I, I know that there are some online classes that can be taken for that. Um, I'd like to see the training just so that I know that I'm doing it correctly because I don't don't want to misuse something. You know, that's a great that's a great res, uh, resolution there on the farm here. Um, for me, thinking about the animals again, I really want to figure out. Um, we have these alpine bucks, and and we've talked about obviously we both breed alpine, so we talk about alpines a lot. Is we have like four of them, and they're all mature bucks, and we're really trying to figure out. Um, what traits they throw and how consistent they are at throwing those traits and then figuring out what the plan is there. Cause we argue about said plan between myself, my dad and my fiance all the time. So meaning, do we keep all of them? Do we let some of them go? Do we yes. lease some out or trade with somebody else so that we can, you know, still keep, keep control of him, but maybe not have to feed them and house them and take care of them. That kind of, that kind of, um, yeah. That's kind of where that this this one kind of came up is like, what what are we doing? Like, because and I think a lot of it's going to depend on you know what hard decisions do we make. And thinking back to our our first things we talk about picking a number and sticking with it, and then what hard decisions um, we make is going to be then we're going to base that on okay, what do we do with all these bucks we have? And the question always is you know do we bring in another buck or do we keep a buck that is born? Um, we obviously know if we have a saga son, um, Pleasant Grove Super Saga, we AI'd and got one to stick. Um, you know, we're going to keep him. But what what do we do with all these other guys? Yeah, that's ugh, that's hard. I know that 
you know, with the small number of animals that I have, two years, using a buck almost exclusively for two years is about what we've been doing and sometimes partly for that third year. But I also think that uh, there have been bucks that we've let go too early because we could have used them another year. Uh, we, we've, we're going to be facing that this spring too. Yeah. Making that plan. That's hard. It's hard to do that. Yeah. You so, know, you brought those bucks in for a reason. <laughs> yeah. So it's a, it's a five-year-old buck, a four-year-old buck, a two-year-old buck and a yearling buck. And you're like, what do you, yeah. what do you do? And they're like, okay, the five-year-old, we have a whole bunch of daughters on him. We have a bunch of data collected on him. We kind of know what he throws, but can we kind of use him still is the question. And the three-year-old buck kind of the same way. And, but the two-year-old and the yearling buck, you're still like, oh, I, I don't know what he's going to throw still. Right. And then you, you almost, you know, you kept him for a reason. So you don't want to just get rid of him, but yet. Yeah. Do you really, is it worth keeping them? Yeah, it's, oh, that's just hard. It, it is hard. And that, but that's part of the fun of it too, I guess. So making, making the hard decisions, we go back to that. If it was easy, we would all have national champions in our barn. Definitely. Absolutely. The last resolution. That should be I my quote. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, my last new year's resolution for the uh, animal side is I want to try some new repro work this year, and I think I need to call your brother-in-law. Oh, yeah? What do you want to do? I don't know. We've talked about an IVF. Um, we've talked about some type of embryo transfer. Um, I'm thinking maybe, uh, and, and I'm, I'm just going to throw this out there, maybe a terminal IVF. You know, we've got some older does that, um, you know, don't get around the best. Um, we'd love to get some more kids out of them. Um, and my fiance's talked to me about, you know, maybe I can – um, let her, you know, put some embryos in her goats that she has. And then, um, you know, being able to, to, to kid out some of those, of those 15, two year olds she's going to have next year. Right. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Yeah. So like cloning. No, definitely not. That. Wait, no, 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 no cloning, <laughs> no cloning, uh, no cloning, no cloning. But I, I think the terminal IVF or some type of IVF or whatnot, um, would be great to try. Um, uh, just trying something new and different on the repro side would be awesome to do. The cloning, um, uh, I just don't have the uh, resources to make that work. Yeah, that's that would that would that would have to be a very special and and uh, have to figure out the profitability of that before you go there. But it's kind of cool that that is an option that some people are able to take advantage of. Yeah, I just saw one of those clones actually on the Facebook a couple weeks ago. I know. I did too. Like, that was pretty cool. I was, like, yeah. I was like, oh, there's the clone. And Catherine's like, what? What are you talking about? I'm like, yeah, well, this person had the means and the resources for it. So he went for it. And I was like, you go for it, buddy. Yeah, more power to you. I think that's pretty awesome. Yeah, it is. Um, moving right along your marketing resolutions. Laura, I think you had some here. Yeah, so... The first two that I have on my list kind of go hand in hand. One is to keep my website updated. Um, I had a, a really cool person contact me the other day to put a reservation on a kid. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I didn't end up breeding, making that breeding bubble list. And I realized, you know, that is the number one way that you can market animals is through your website. I've got to keep that website updated. So, um, you know, so that's on there. And then. 
One thing about websites that um, I was trying to do the other day is I have a guy who's contacting me, reaching out for a breeding buck, and obviously it's a it's a show herd. So I was like, hey, can I go onto your website and look at your goats and do some research before we have a conversation? He's like, yeah, sure, whatever. I got to his website and it's like one page and it's got some pictures of some goats and there's no like breeding information or anything. And, and this is not to knock the breeder because the person I was going to talk to, but uh, well, I had some other stuff pop up and it was kind of a, a long situation, but um, you know, the breed, a website really helps you have a conversation with other breeders so they can be prepared to talk genetics, breeding, all sorts of things. Also, if you go to a goat show, you can say, is this so-and-so's goat on your website? And you can look at them in person and identify them. Yes, for sure. Yeah. So I think keeping a website up to date is really, really great to have great conversations with customers of goats or, or just fellow goat enthusiasts as well so they can really see your goats. Uh, and keeping it up to date with updated pictures, if available, is is awesome, a way to start a conversation. That's a good point. It's not just about, it's not just about your herd, like what you have to offer, but when other people want to work cooperatively with you, it's nice to know what, what you've got so that, you know, we're all in this together in a lot of ways. So yeah, I can see what somebody has and make some suggestions. That's always a good thing. Yeah. So that's what I really like about websites and, and keeping them updated. That's my little soapbox to update your website there. Um, I'd also like to sell some seam. <laughs> my tank is getting to the maxed out point, which is scary because I have such a small herd and it's a big tank. Um, but I, I know that I've got a lot of semen from some bucks that I have that I think have some good things to offer and I need to do better about selling semen to people or, or offering to trade semen with other people that, you know, maybe they'd like to get some animals proven in my herd and vice versa. So I'm going to try to do better. It's uh, offering to sell semen out of some bucks that I have if people are interested with that. And then also look at, take a look at semen that I've picked up along the way through the years and, Am I really going to use this semen? Some of it I have for nostalgic reasons. Um, some of it I have because ah, that's kind of a cool little breeding, but really, am I going to use this? No, probably not, but maybe somebody else would. So I think I think it's always a good idea to manage your semen inventory, um, not so tight that you don't have the resources to go to when you need it, but also uh, don't just become a hoarder because you know, I don't know about you, Cameron, but I've seen a lot of Facebook posts this past year with a lot of bucks that 10 years ago, I would have absolutely jumped all over myself to to get into my herd. And now I'm like, mm, I'm not sure they're so relevant anymore. There's kind of a sweet spot of semen where some of the stuff, um, maybe an alpine is a little more timeless. And well, you know, some of the herds like Willow Run stuff, that's a little, that's less timeless um, than compared to some of the older, way older stuff. I'm thinking like, um, you know, some people consider Nixon's to be timeless. Some people don't, you know, thinking about getting way back there, way back in the eighties. And when, um, Nixon's had a beautiful herd of Alpines there. Um, yeah, that's a good resolution there from a marketing standpoint is trying to figure out what to do with legacy semen. Um, and sometimes semen is better in somebody else's tank than it is in yours. So don't be a semen hoarder. I, I will say that publicly. Don't be a semen hoarder. You know, I, I know that for me, I try to collect every buck that I get, but maybe sometimes those bucks that you have collected shouldn't have been collected. You know, down the road, you realize that they aren't throwing what you thought they were going to. Don't save that semen up for somebody else to have as a problem. Just 
make the hard decision and realize, yeah, this needs to be thawed and it needs to be dumped and this doesn't need to be used for anybody. So exactly. That's, that's what's best there. And I know we've already talked about, you know, I think we were sitting without power in the dark, um, two days ago now. And we were talking about, okay, let's, let's make up our 2021 breeding list. And we even thought about making a drinking game out of it too, is, you know, what would be a fun way to make the 2021 breeding list. So thinking about that and, you know, you can decide right now it's, it's January, it's cold outside. You can make your breeding list for, for fall already right now with the animals you have hypothetically in your head, just not the kids um, that are going to be born obviously, but um, you can make your breeding list right now and think about, okay, do I want to use that legacy semen this year? Or maybe I'm not going to use it this year and maybe I'm never going to use it. And then if that's the case, Go ahead and advertise it, you know, now or in the early spring when you could take it with you to shows and and make it easy for people to pick up and and not have to transport it at the last minute and and you know you might make enough money to to buy you that new barn cam that you want or something like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There. So really thinking about semen there. Um, one thing that I have on my marketing resolutions to use Facebook better. So what do you mean by that, Cameron? So a lot of times breeders, um, including myself, use Facebook as a sales tool only. However, what I've noticed when looking back at past trends is when you do that, your audience really doesn't connect very well with you. And what people really want to see on Facebook are goats pictured, pictures of goats. They want to see new, exciting things, different setups you're doing. They don't necessarily always want to see you posting a buck kid out of a three-year-old you know may, maybe that buck does have tremendous genetic value to someone however they your audience probably doesn't want to see that and i know starting uh, about march 1st uh brace yourself the buck kid posts are coming uh to facebook so figuring out how to use facebook better to connect with your audience more instead of using it as just a sales tool i think that sounds like a very good idea yeah, Let them know I, your story instead of just, just, oh, great, they're selling something again. Yes, that is, and that's what I've noticed is, is and I, I'll pick on my fiance's herd because I help manage her Facebook. Um, you know, she has used hers a lot as a um, sales tool. Um, and what she's found out is that, you know, you they might not connect very quickly with people uh, as a sales tool um, because her audience is looking for something completely different than what my audience is looking at here. Uh, my audience is looking for kids to her audience is looking for milkers. Um, so, you know, it, it just depends what your audience is looking for on that, but using Facebook better in 2021, uh, more, po more fun posts, you know, more pictures of just kids having a good time. Um, pictures of uh, just uh, when goats are going into the kidding pen, just making them feel like they are actually live on the farm. And then becoming, and then also coming up with original content as well. Instead of just sharing past pictures of goats, maybe working to get more pictures of goats in the now. So that's one thing there that I, I really want to focus on in 2021. Pictures, pictures. It all comes back to pictures. Yes, people buy people buy goats if they see pictures, which is stupid. And we've talked about it, and we talked about it with Sarah, but alas, um, they will keep they will keep coming back for more pictures. <laughs> <laughs> Cameron, I like the next one that you have on on this marketing resolutions list. Um yeah, about following up with customers. 
Yes. And that, that was inspired by our conversation of following up after the sale. And because I want to know what happened. I want to see my breeding progress. Um, you know, I got pictures from one of our, cause I asked, I was like, Hey, what is, how does X, Y, Z look or something like that? And I was like, Oh my God, she looks exactly like her damn. Or like, I, I mean, it was like a spitting image or I was like, Oh, what does the sister of this goats look like? Or something like that. And she just sent me a picture and they were kind of unposed and not really didn't have a lot of milk, but I'm like, these goats would be competitive. I want to know what my breedings look like from the past. Right. And and that's kind of cool too, because it helps you to know, do I want to make that breeding again? Or, or uh, you know, uh, I think I'm going to take a different path than that one. So yeah. I agree with you. It's good to know what's going on. And then I want to see what bucks, like what the bucks did as well. The first year, the second year, the third year down the road to say, okay, are you liking those udders? What's he doing for you in udders? What's he doing for you in general appearance? Is he meeting your expectations that you thought he would? Or is he just another piece to your puzzle that you added in and thought was good? You know, seeing daughters from Bucks is always really, really fun. Um, and, you know, you can claim them as, oh, my God, that's out of a, uh, a, a maple a maple wind goat or a maple wind buck or out of a Kickapoo Valley buck or out of an XX goat. So, Really following up with customers is huge because not everyone puts them on the Facebook. Not everyone um, does that, does, you know, um, communicate with you. So following up with customers is really cool. But realize when you follow up, you might only hear from about 20% of people. And, you know, I, I will say this also, too. As somebody who has bought animals, it makes me feel so good when those breeders have reached out to me and say, hey, just wanted to check and see how so-and-so is doing. You know, are you happy with them? How do they freshen? What'd you get out of them? Are you happy with their daughters? I, that just makes my day. It makes me feel like that this person values my opinion on animals that they've sold me. It's not just the sale, but they're genuinely interested in knowing that I'm happy with what I've bought. I think that's important. I also like when you, as a, as a buyer, send me pictures of the goat again, like, like you reach out to us. I know I have a, a, a customer. She might listen to the podcast. She might not in Wyoming. That'll send me an updated pictures of, she bought two goats a couple of years ago and she keeps sending me pictures of them as milkers and, and whatnot. And I love seeing that. And so if you bought a goat for me and you want to send me a picture of the goat, please do so. Cause I would love to see them. <laughs> I agree with that. I agree. Well, I know on um, looking at other resolutions. So throwing this out here again, Paul Fox, has been putting a bunch of really cool old video clips of national shows on Facebook. I don't know if I don't know if you've had a chance I've, to see them or watch them, but I've seen like, them and my dad my dad's commented on them and be like, oh my God, that first place yearlings kick a poop alley false madam. I'm like, you are a super nerd. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm looking at these thinking, oh my gosh, I remember that. I was there. I remember these people. Oh my goodness, these people are no longer here anymore. Um, it's just been it's just been awesome. So, Paul, I don't know if you listen to our podcast, but buddy, you've made the end of of uh, 2020 a lot of fun with what you've been posting. Along with that, um, you know, we it I think it's really sad that we don't have those national show tapes anymore that you can buy as a whole set. And I remember buying them to watch later on 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 your uh, DVD or VHS or whatever they were. Um, but I sure personally would like to have a lot less of me show up on a live feed at nationals this year. So 
I would like to lose some some weight and uh, uh, look my svelte best when I show up showing goats at nationals this year. So throwing that out there as a personal resolution. I'm, my personal resolution along with that line is figure out what actual size of white pants I have and to buy a pair um, because I think my mine don't really fit very well um, for, for, reasons, <laughs> for reasons unbeknownst to me. Um, and then I also have another pair that go up to about my uh, like my shins as well and it looks like the flood is coming. So uh, one of my New Year's personal resolutions in goats is to figure out what size white pants I have and to buy a correct pair. You know, it's funny. Guys, white pants, some years you can't ever find them. It's good to know what size you wear so you can nab them when you find them. Because, boy, some some years they are as rare as hen's teeth to find white pants. Yeah, definitely. So that's that's one of my things there. Laura, on your list, I see a judging license. Are you going to make a triumphant return to the judging community? <laughs> it's a thought. I don't know about triumphant return. That was a that was a heck of a long time ago. Um, don't call it a comeback because you never really left. <laughs> uh, it's just a thought. You know, uh, throwing this out there, I sure would love to see a bunch of new judges come forward. It seems like, it seems like at least in the Midwest, it's hard to find judges. People are busy and, and there's lots of shows that are just really desperate to find judges that, that have some time to spend. And, and uh, I'd like to throw this out here that if anybody is interested in becoming a judge, you know, really consider it. Um, I think in 2021, our Missouri group is going to try to host a pre-training conference just for people to maybe get their feet wet a little bit and kind of see what it's about. And, um, you know, if we can find a um, somebody to teach that for us, we thought that'd be good. And then maybe do a full training conference in 2022 if, if we could get selected to do that. But I'd like to help enable anybody who has that interest in becoming a judge to really look look forward and, and consider whether or not that's a calling that you want to respond to yeah the pre a pre tc i've been through like four or five of those now i don't i don't know i've been through a lot of them um it's really good to just kind of get an idea of what's kind of going on with the scorecard um really helps you you see a lot of goats and slides that have excellent traits that you might not see if you've never been to a national show before um, a pre tc is a great way to kind of dip your foot in the water of getting of becoming a judge you get to um, learn about the scorecard learn about kind of the goals of the program and go walk through some stuff as well as you get to practice some live reasons as well uh, with your instructor of the pre-tc um, i've been through that with um, several instructors including one is my father as well um, and, and they're very very good um also, if you do if you do have a TC in your area and you're asked to bring goats, I highly recommend that. You get about 25 to 30 people's opinions on your goats, and they will just be brutally honest with you too. They will literally say this goat is bad um, in front in front of people just 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 to go through that. So it's it's really good to take your goats, not only participate in a TC, a pre-TC to learn, but it's also great for you to bring your animals there as well because you and, and hold them and be around and, and see that because you get to learn a lot about your goats. And my fiance summed it up best is you get about 30 different opinions on your goats that day. Um, 
and you get to learn a lot about them. Yeah. I mean, aside from the painful factor of somebody telling you your goat's not nice, which I'm sure yeah, they're very that's... kind about saying that, uh, where else could you get that kind of opinion on your on animals that you have all at once from some people who have a lot of knowledge behind them? And most of the time, it's free. So you don't even have to pay for it. You have yeah. to show up there. So that's, that's a really good thing um, there right now. So making a triumphant return potentially to the judging arena, Laura Warren Hughes in 2023? <laughs> 2023? Question mark? Uh, yeah, well, well, we'll think about that, okay? I will be much old, much older than I was the last time I did it, Cameron. So <laughs> we'll just have to see how that goes. Probably yeah, have to do something with my weight loss goal, okay? <laughs> are um, you are you up for your license this year? Yes, I am. I was supposed to be up last year, and obviously things got pushed back, so I'm up this year. Um, one of my personal resolutions is also to make sure I can I can continue to judge goats. Um, it's something I've kind of grappled with as I continue on with life, but I think it's something that I, I really feel strongly about because I love giving back to the community and traveling and, and seeing the goats in other areas of the country. Um, and it's a great way to just get to know goat people as well as get to see some beautiful goats across the country. You know, I think that's, that's the one thing that I absolutely just adored about judging goats besides meeting some really awesome people is sometimes you see those herds that you never would have gotten to see if you hadn't gotten asked to judge in that area. And you're like, these animals are amazing. This is the latest, greatest undiscovered herd. And uh, yep. it's just, it's fun to see those herds like that because we have so many amazing dairy goats throughout this country. Uh, not yeah. all of them have those big herd names on them. And it's fun to see that. No, you're exactly right. Um, and it's fun. And it's fun to kind of scout where your next buck mama could be, as I as I tell people there. Um, and it's, it's a unique opportunity to see the world, see goats, and uh, make some great connections as well. I think Dustin probably said it best is, I find most of my bucks on my judging trips um, when we interviewed him back in, in November. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah um, totally. Also, my also on my personal resolutions list is learn how to make some soft cheeses this year. Oh, very cool. I think that will be a potential some type of offshoot of this hobby that we all work so hard for. <laughs> so did uh, did your trip to Noble Springs inspire that? Did you just get so much amazing cheese that you thought I've got to try this myself? Uh, I wouldn't say Dustin and Justine inspired me per se. Their cheese curds definitely did though. <laughs> so, um, uh, just just today we were talking. Me and Catherine were talking, and she's like, "You got to figure out how to make those cheese curds." And I'm like, "Okay, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll see if I can figure it out." So. Um, potentially start with the soft cheeses though, and then, um, work to, to figure out how to make those cheese curds. Dustin, you got yeah. some competition. <laughs> we'll see you at the next, uh, wine and cheese competition, Cameron. Okay. Oh, okay. I'll be looking for your curds. Uh, oh, you know, kind of along with that, I really would like to learn how to make soap. I've had the stuff to make it for probably four years now and have yet to stick my toe in that water. So um, there are so many amazing soap makers around and uh, I think that's something that would be fun to do. Yeah. I think uh, kind of in this, this year where, um, you know, you kind of learn to 
be bored sometimes. I think uh, New Year's resolutions are a good way to kind of reset and think, what new things besides bread making do I want to take on in 2021? For sure. I agree. Well, speaking of that kind of ties back into something on this list, talking about um, judging, we have an exciting guest who's going to come talk to us next week about that very topic. Yes, we do. Uh, Anna Thompson Hadjek is going to be, I think I said that name right. Yeah, did I? Ah, I Hadjek? think so. Hadjek. And if I if I butchered it, I apologize. I will ask you when you come on next week because I know you listen. Um, uh, to talk about judging, kind of what the process looks like, why you might want to become a judge. She's been on multiple panels. She's been a national show judge. She's bred um, togs under the legendary herd name. Um, some of my personal favorite togs have came out of her herd name. Um, and I've publicly said that, and I will admit that again, that she has some fantastic goats. But she is, along with her sister, the chairwoman of the uh, ADGA Judges Training Committee. Um, it's been fun to watch Anna and Emily grow up. Um, I remember when they were very, very little girls. Again, I'm old. Um, but I, I'm just really excited to hear Anna's perspective as somebody who's grown up in the dairy goat industry and um, is now um, a recognized judge and does such an outstanding job. So I'm really eager to hear what she has to share. And if this, if becoming a judge is something that you've ever thought about, um, Anna certainly has some answers for you. So I hope um, if there are some specific questions that any of you all have um, about the judges training um, program and about becoming a judge, please shoot us a message through our Facebook and, um, you know, let us know because we'll be glad to share those with Anna so that she can have an answer for you when she comes and speaks with us next week. Yeah, absolutely. Laura, this was a fun episode. Um, great way to kick off 2021. Don't you agree? It, I agree. And I think all of that, all of us um, have that wish that 2021 is a year of, um, normalcy and that we can get back to doing what we do best, which is hanging out with our goat friends and seeing each other and being safe and being healthy and, and uh, being open to all the gifts that this new year is going to offer us. So uh, thank you listeners for being part of our goat gab family. Cameron, as always, thank you for spending some time with me in this afternoon and, and being part of this podcast. It's fun as always. Always fun, and we'll we'll get to have an in-person one eventually. <laughs> eventually. Eventually. Uh, as always, you can find us on, on the Facebook, as I say, uh, Goat Gab. We're available on uh, Spotify, um, the Anchor website, and uh, Apple Podcasts, as well as any other podcasting platform, I do believe. So check us out. Um, tell your friends, too. Say, hey, there's these two awesome people with goats that do a podcast. Uh, we'd love to have a bigger listenership as well. Always would. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you next week. Thanks, guys.